Well, welcome for another podcast for the Radiation Research Society, and I'm very pleased to have Alba Gonzalez-Sunka from UCSF, uh, and uh, you're working with Dr. Barcelosov. Um, and we're going to be talking about uh, EMT, Epithelial Mesenchymal Transition, and uh, its relationship to radiation, cancer, and uh, maybe you want to introduce yourself and actually tell us a bit about EMT. Uh, we can move on from that. Thank you for having me in this interview. I'm very pleased to be here. So what we are studying here is how this uh, space radiation is inducing a tissue-pedal-dependent EMT in non-malignant breast epithelial cells. And the interesting thing is that this EMT, uh, it only occurs when the cells are isolated. So they shift they sh their shape, they lose their polarity and their cell-to-cell -cell interactions when you irradiate them and you add this tissue pita. And that resembles the initial steps of epithelial carcinogenesis, also known as dysplasia. Dysplasia, okay. And so let's go through uh, the history of this because um, as you know I work with Dr. Barcelosa for many years. I'm very interested in that topic. Um, I think we, we've been coining this, this, guy, this type of um, phenotype as non-targeted effect. And uh, as we heard many times on, on this topic is, one big question is what is the dose dependence of this kind of response and also the LET dependence. And so in your case, you are really ta tackling both questions since uh, you are looking at high LET radiation from space radiation and you're also looking uh, um, I'm not sure if you are doing those response, uh, but if, can you walk us through before your work from Dr. Barcelosov's lab, uh, the kind of main discovery that were done on this topic with respect to radiation and those response and LET? So what was initially done many years ago, that was 2007, I believe. I was not even a PhD yet. So what was found is that, uh, as you mentioned, there was not a, a linear dose response, as you can see, for example, with uh, DNA, damage. Yeah, DNA damage. So that uh, led us to conclude that this is actually a non-targeted effect, the EMT, because you observe it as very low doses at 0.1 centigrade, uh, 0.1 grade, sorry. And so then you, can, you, you say that this, this is a, actually a non-targeted effect. And so what we are observing, in, in my particular case, since that was already proven and I'm building the story on top of this uh, previous work, we didn't do actually a dose responses, so we just used uh, 25 centigrade. And, but we did compare different kinds of particle radiation. We compared iron, we compared silicon, we did protons and we did gamma controls. And interestingly, we only observed a complete EMT phenotype, meaning that the cells lose their ecadirin in the membrane, they lost the beta-catenin, but the beta-catenin efficiently get translocated into the nucleus. That's what we consider complete EMT. And that only happened when the cells were irradiated with heavy ions, with silicon or with iron. It didn't happen in the protons and it didn't happen in the gamma controls. With the uh, current technique that you developed or if with, uh, without the usage of macrophage? 
with microphone. So all. So I all think we we may want to. Oh, so just to avoid confusion, the pass was done without macrophage. It was yeah. just cells that were isolated, they were not confluent, and then TGF beta was added, and then you added radiation. And when yeah. you had those conditions, there was a non-dose dependent, non-LET dependence. You would see EMT after a certain yeah. level. That was So it was more of a threshold systemic yeah. response, non-targeted yeah. effect. Yeah. Describe... Uh, for us, if you don't mind, the new process and why you've done that. And then we can walk through what you yeah. just said. So what we found is that uh, in tissues, cells are not I isolated, and we do not observe this EMT when you look at irradiated tissues. So that uh, let us think that maybe the epithelial interactions were preventing the EMT stabilizing the, the epithelial phenotype. So we did a slightly different experiment. We did both in parallel. So we either seed the cells, the MCF10As, and we irradiate them shortly after seeding. That's like between four and six hours. So just let them sit on the plate and you hit them. Or we wait 48 hours, we sit them at a little bit higher uh, density, and so the cells form cell-to-cell -cell contacts, they divide for two days, and when you do the same kind of experiment, irradiating the cells and adding tissue beta, which whatever type of radiation you use, the EMT is prevented. So there's no EMT occurring when the cells form cell-to-cell -cell contacts. And also with the gamma rays, we did the same experiment, uh, called irradiating the cells that were in matrigel, so having mimicking what would be the epithelial and extracellular matrix interaction, and that was also preventing the EMT to occur with the same conditions as uh, TGF-beta and irradiation. So what that experiment proves is that the cellular interactions, either with the neighbor cells or with the extracellular matrix, are preventing this EMT, stabilizing this phenotype. So that makes us think, well, then how can uh, these uh, irradiated animals have increased developed mammary carcinomas as, as we have published in, in the in vivo experiments? So then we came with the idea that maybe macrophages, since we see an enriched signature of macrophages and enriched uh, inflammation markers, we postulated that maybe those macrophages were contributing to this EMT. You know, macrophages in, in normal tissues, their role is to crawl around the tissues, the tissue resident macrophages, and they are able to separate, to disrupt the cell-to-cell -cell interactions to, to basically patrol around the tissues. So they have the capacity to break the cell-to-cell -cell contacts that are preventing the EMT. So what we decided to do was to irradiate those epithelial cells that were confluent, that where EMT was prevented, and then we put those macrophages on top of the epithelial cells. And then the EMT was allowed. When you have the irradiated with heavy particles, you are tissue-beta and macrophages. So okay, let me summarize. So you saw for high LT an EMT response that was requiring macrophage yeah. uh, recruitment, or I guess co-culture in your case. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if you did photons or if you did proton under the same condition, you didn't see it. Yeah. So that's fairly new compared to what we had seen in the past yeah. where EMT was always happening with radiation. Yes. So um, can you, uh, why is that? Why uh, EMT happens with any kind of radiation when you do it in non-confluent system and why once you start going confluent, you, the macrophage is, seems to only be able to work on the high LT. What is so special about those high LT? Well, we 
don't know that, that we don't know that yet, but we believe it can be a crosstalk with other pathways. So, for example, there's been work published uh, <coughs> where they show that high LET radiation induces wind beta-catenin pathway, and we believe that that could cooperate with the TGF-beta. But we haven't done this experiment. Yeah, yeah. Yet. It's all right. It's but, just... but it's a hypothesis. That's your current hypothesis. Yeah. So, okay, so I think the uh, one of the biggest need right now in our field, and I think in the field of biology in general, is a, a smarter tissue system. Uh, yeah. So using mice is great, but the problem with mice is, well, they're not humans, right? And using well, and cell culture, right. <laughs> and cell culture, well, we're not a bunch of cells growing in a dish either. So how do you go about this? So one nice thing about DMCF10 is their ability to grow in 3D. Um, and so kind of like getting closer to a, um, you know, a, a biomimetic tissue. And with that idea in mind, uh, I was wondering uh, if some of the work you've done where you're working with confluent cells could be repeated with 3D cell culture where you also have, in a sense, a confluent system, except it's more, uh, it's more it's realistic. Like, yeah. And, yeah. And so, but it is a bit of a challenging experiment. You need some very good microscopy. So are you guys moving towards those biomimetic tissues or? Yeah, actually that's, that's a really good point. And, and that's something that we wanted to do actually to co-culture this and also adding fibroblasts, which are also in the normal tissue found. But that was kind of too complicated to, to run it in that particular experiment, but it's something that we're definitely gonna study in a future experiments. I know yeah. Mina Bissell at LBNL, yeah. since I'm over there, oh, yeah, um, they, they're doing some very pioneering work right now, and you may, uh, you may get inspired by this because they, they are now able to grow a breast tissue from women. So they, they have like those little um, tissue from uh, typically reduction of, uh, you know, breast yeah. reduction. And apparently they can grow those tissue for 20 days in the dish. Uh, and so there, you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Uh, you just use a tissue, the native tissue, and you could do this kind of experiment from the same person. Like you could yeah. chop it off in a way that um, is it something that could be potentially uh, workable for you guys? Or yeah, totally. I mean, especially I mean, working with the MCF10As, it allows you to really control the number of cells that you have and and repeat these experiments. So. Take into consideration that these experiments were run at LBN, uh, sorry, at Brookhaven National Lab with uh, all these particle radiation. So those experiments need to be run in parallel with all these controls and everything. But it could be very interesting, for example, to use this system to validate our results in a more uh, clinically relevant or human relevant setting. But yeah, I agree. Okay, so one last thing that bugs me a little bit, I'm sorry, I'm stuck on this, is that why you don't sit with proton and photon, because... Uh, so, what were the doses you used for this experiment where you did... Uh, can you give us the specific LETs and, and the dose for each one of them? So, 25 centigrade, all of them, the specific LET, I don't remember, I have the numbers on Oh, the, so you did the same dose for all different LETs? Yeah, and then uh, okay. and then we did the energies were uh, one giga JV with uh, protons, and then we had uh, three hundred fifty for silicon and six hundred for iron. So I would recommend that you have a stronger positive control for photon at least at home back at UCSF. That's an easy experiment where you hit them with one gray, um, because you want to make sure it's not a dose effect. Um, 
and no, the dust was the same, 25 centimeters. Right. Yeah. So typically, uh, uh, for many phenotypes that are dose dependent, uh, we use different doses for low LET because they're not as potent. Yeah. So, for instance, for cell death assay, you will go much higher in, in dose than for high LET. So what I'm saying is, if you did 25 centigrade for the photon, you may want to consider maybe using a, a, a one gray. No, control. we did one gray and two grays. Not with the gamma. We did it with X-rays with the stuff. Same, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And with the uh, with the macrophage. Yes. And, and we nothing. do not see the EMT until we. So so you don't see the, the EMT only on the on the I heavy see. particle. And for proton, you only did one dose. Yeah. 25 centigrade. We didn't go yeah. higher in dose. No. Okay, because it's another low LET radiation. Um, well, I guess then it's, uh, it's puzzling, I would say. Yeah, it is. Right. Interesting. And, and the other interesting thing that we see is not only this DCMT, it's just cells that are losing their architecture. They are just ugly-looking cells. But then you want to see... So to, to progress further into uh, cancer, you have to lose the growth inhibitory... Uh, response. Tijapere is a very potent uh, cytostatic. It was initially described as a, as a tumor suppressor, as you, mm -hmm. as you know. So then what we observed that that was very interesting and it only occurred in the silicon and iron irradiated cells is that in the same condition with high LT irradiated cells together with the macrophages and Tijapere, we observe an increase in the cells that lost their antiproliferative controlled by Tijapira, meaning they were positive for Phosphosmatu, which is a redoubt of the Tijapira activity, but at the same time they were positive for K67, which is a marker of proliferation. So that means that the cells that they were sensitive to Tijapira, they were receiving Tijapira, they have an intact Tijapira pathway, they just didn't stop proliferating. Mm. So uh, to go a bit beyond this, um, what about uh, Going back to the animal model now, and instead of using uh, MCF10A, could you envision a process where you actually uh, repeat the same experiment uh, in vivo? So uh, irradiate a gland um, and then dismantle the, the gland and test the uh, EMT activity. Uh, and that was one question I had for you, if that's something you're considering doing. The other thing is, I think... I don't know if you mentioned that, but you did do a 3D test on the uh, cells that had undergone EMT, and they they had uh, what were their ability to uh, to grow in 3D after after EMT? Were they disrupted? Yeah, actually, they form uh, like disrupted this this kind of colonies instead of forming these nice uh, little round ducts that the MCF10As form when you put them on on top of matrigel. They were completely aberrant. They were bigger, and they had all these like kind of protuberances and that's that's another sign that they are undergoing uh, this dysplastic right. uh, phenotype. And it's a persistent phenotype, which yeah. is it's not something yeah. transitory. It's actually No, they it have was switched. a week after the, the radiation we put them on the on the on this three D. And do you know if eventually they go back to a normal phenotype or they just basically are shifted forever? We never did any longer experiments and interesting. That. So yeah. it's a very important point because you would yeah. think it could be transitory versus it looks like yeah. it's a persistent phenotype. Yeah, well, but when, when you go to the in vivo, mm -hmm. they do develop tumor, more tumors and more aggressive tumors, the, the ones irradiated with the silicon it's particles. So, so, that's, that, so what we are trying to model here in vitro in a more controlled mm -hmm. system 
is what's happening in the initial events after the irradiation. So we believe that this uh, irradiation, it's, create, uh, it's recruiting and creating inflammation and recruiting these macrophages or activating these macrophages that were already there. And those macrophages, they secrete. In this case, we found that interferon gamma is necessary. I'm sure they secrete a bunch of other cytokines and things, but when we block interferon gamma from these co-cultures, we prevent this EMT and this tissue pattern resistance, showing that, in fact, this, this persistent inflammation, it can be uh, responsible to, to this initiation of this carcinogenesis. Right. No, it makes sense. It's very yeah. interesting. So, um, just to finish on this in vivo idea, um, it would be very interesting to, to, take, uh, to take an animal and irradiate the animal because uh, in the mammary gland because you will get everything that you need. The, the macrophage will be recruited, yeah. you know that. Um, and then you get the tissue out of it. And since it's a persistent uh, phenotype, yeah. you got to be able to, even if you dis, uh, um, uh, dismantle the, uh, or, uh, what's the term, disaggregate the, 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 the mammary gland, yeah. you should be able to see the epithelial cells having gone EMT. So is it a rare phenotype or do you think it's an, uh, it's a st um, in, the, in the dish it looks like the majority of the cells are undergoing EMT, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I'm having a hard time thinking that in vivo you have the entire memory then turning into uh, a displacure, right? No, no. no so, but do you think it would be an interesting experiment to do? Is it something you, you guys could... Yeah, it could be interesting Because that looks like the look, ultimate test, To right? look at what, why some cells... Because you're right, I mean, in the memory gland is not 100% of the cells, only some of them. And all of them are P53 deficient in that model, in the in vivo model. So... Some of them, they might get another heat, or it's maybe because the macrophages go closer with I'm sorry, why is it P53? If you take an, a, a wild-type animal, you don't have this issue, right? I mean, well, yeah, we can do it. Just that the like P53, it's priming the, the carcinogenesis, so that's the model that we use for the epithelial carcinogenesis. Right, I think it's a separate thing. Uh, I would think you have a, a naive animal that yeah. is normal. You expose the mammary yeah. gland, and then you collect the gland, and you m monitor EMT. I think that was the question. Yeah. Uh, I, I would imagine maybe this experiment had been done, but it, it would be really a nice complementary yeah. uh, data yeah, set. Yeah, you're right. It could but be interesting to see. Anyway, I think we're out of time. It's fascinating as usual. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, well, good continuation with your postdoc. Thank and, you. Uh, very nice work. Thank you.